here if we've not met before. And uh, uh, I'm just, just, man, overjoyed that we get to worship in the house of the Lord today. If I feel, seem a little foggy, it's because I was up late last night uh, watching the Braves go to the World Series. So, <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. So I'm glad that those of you who stayed up late also managed to drag it out and, and come to church. So, amen. I got a couple of announcements for you this morning. First of all, I want to remind you that if you're wearing a disposable face mask, uh, go ahead and take that out of, the, out of the service with you. We've been finding some face masks left around in the, in the pews, so please make sure you take that with you when you leave. And second of all, I had uh, the honor, and, and uh, Della also went to a meeting with the bishop. We, we got a new bishop in South Georgia, and his name is uh, Bishop David Graves. And Bishop Graves um, just wanted, is getting a chance to meet South Georgia folks. And um, I just wanted to report back to you from that meeting a little bit. Uh, Bishop Graves is awesome. <laughs> I really liked him a lot, um, which is good. You know, we, we had the, the honor of having our last bishop come here and preach right before he retired. And he was awesome too. So, I mean, we, we're riding high on some awesome bishops. Uh, but I really enjoyed getting to know him. You know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in our denomination right now, a lot of um, conflict and a lot of strife and all that kind of stuff, and he put me so at ease about all that stuff. You know, one of the things that he, one of, one of the sentiments that he said was that, man, he's just tired of all the bickering. He's tired of all the denominational maneuvering and stuff, and he just wants to get people introduced to Jesus. And he wants to do the work of the church. And he said, you know, eventually stuff's going to happen. General conference is going to happen. And we're going to have to make some hard decisions. But there's no sense in worrying about it and stressing about it until then. Until then, we just need to get the work of the kingdom done in our churches, introduce people to Jesus, and we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And so I could not have agreed more with that sentiment. I was so happy to hear that coming out of the mouth of our bishop and so I think that we are in good hands uh, when it comes to our Episcopal leadership in the South Georgia Conference. So I wanted to pass that along to you. If you've got some questions for me about denominational stuff, we can talk about it. <laughs> no, I'd be happy to talk about, you, about that stuff with you. But, um, but uh, you know, we are here to serve and to introduce people to Jesus. And that's what we're going to keep doing no matter what. All right, does anybody have any announcements that I forgot? I can think, already think of one I forgot. Reverse trick-or-treating is next Sunday. If you've got a kid that wants to participate in reverse trick-or-treating, have them bring their Halloween costumes to church. So right after that, we're going to go out and we're going to sing to some of our shut-ins and give them, give them candy. And so uh, that'll be great. So that way... Will there be lunch or something? No, it'll be fast, and then you can get lunch afterwards. That's a great question. Thank you. All right, let's go to God in prayer. Jesus, give us grace this morning to come and worship you. God, those of us that are sleepy, those of us that are in a little bit of a fog, wake us up so that we can sing your praises so that we can serve your people, so that we can study your word and worship your name. God, pour out your love and your grace and your forgiveness on us today. 
show us who you are this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. Our opening song is going to be uh, Great Are You, Lord. It's our song of the month, our, our worship song of the month. The words are in your bulletin. And give me a second while I pull out the guitar. I want to invite you to stand and sing. You'll have to forgive me. It's a real downgrade from having Lisa play. <laughs> All right. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. You give life. your breath. 
Amen. Please be seated. All right, come on up, y'all. We have the honor of being able to baptize sweet Bristol Lynn Gibson this morning. Welcome, y'all. All right. How you doing, honey? Isn't she precious? Good morning. All right, I want to invite you to follow along with me on page 39 of your hymnal. We've got some, uh, some responsive reading to do. Bristol is Monica Gibson. And, buddy, I forgot your name, bud. Nick. Should have run that by at the beginning. of Nick and Monica Gibson's daughter. Uh, the Gibsons are coming to us. They are uh, into Brother Ed, and Brother Ed um, was a pastor at this church uh, several years ago, and she wanted to know if she could have her daughter baptized in our church, and of course I said, bring her. So let's turn to God as we celebrate this joyous occasion. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Bristol Lynn Gibson for baptism. Now, parents, I've got some questions for y'all. And if you agree, uh, respond by saying, I do. Okay? On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ is open to people of all ages, nations, and races. And then this last one is, you'll say, I will. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? You will say, I will. Now this is for the congregation. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this person now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround this person with a community of love and forgiveness that she may grow in her service to others. We will pray for her that she may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. Let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, 
His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all the people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and she who receives it, to wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness throughout her life that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. All right, come here, kiddo. How you doing, honey? <laughs> Bristol Gibson, I baptize you in the Father, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now it is our joy to welcome our new sister in Christ through baptism. Amen. Let us clap. Yay! You high five? <laughs> Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you as members of the family of Christ. All right, kiddo. You want to take a lap with me so everybody can see you? Let's go. You want to walk? Walk? Come on. Oh, I won't carry. Touch your face. Touch your foot if you want. 
know, right? <laughs> Good morning. Didn't you do so good? Oh my goodness. I'm impressed. All right, head on back. Amen. All right. Let me just pray one more time. Jesus, be with this kid. God, cover Bristol with your grace and your love and your truth. And show her the way that leads to salvation. Be with this family as they raise her in your word, and in a home that is filled with love and in your law. Give us the grace to support this kid and to show her Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Boy. What a joy and a privilege it is to baptize. Isn't it great? All right, let's go to God in prayer. For our time of prayer. Double mic here. Does anybody have any prayer requests this morning that we need to pray about? Anybody else? Cookie. Jim? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. The Reese's? Yeah, absolutely. Sarah Beth? Yeah, well, Sarah Beth's surgery went great in Atlanta. Everything's good. She feels great. So praise God. And thanks to everyone who supported our family this week with meals and encouragement. Um, It was really, really touching. So thank you so much. Let's go to God in prayer. Jesus, we just watched a symbol of your grace in our presence. As we're reminded that during baptism, you're the one that does the work. You're the one that does the action. You're the one that's receiving and blessing and pouring out your grace on those you you love. So God, continue to pour out your grace on us here. Continue to show us who you are, how you move, how you love. Jesus, we pray that you will do a, a work for these people that we've, we've said, well, we've spoken about, God. We pray for Verma that you will bring her um, your spirit to get through this difficult time. We pray for Monica's friend Kim 
she's dealing with this unexpected loss. Father, bring comfort and peace. God, we pray for Jim that he will continue to heal and rest and adapt. And God, we pray that you will be with him every step of the way. God, we pray for the Reese's, that you will be present with them. We do pray for traveling mercies for uh, Alan and his family, God, that you will bring them, um, you'll bring them back safely to us. We thank you for what you did for Sarah Beth through those doctors. We pray that you will continue to work through her to make her all the way better. And God, we pray all these things in your name by praying the prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to invite you to stand again as we sing our next song, hymn number 496 in your hymnal, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Let's stand and sing.
So kids, we just watched baby Bristol get baptized, didn't we? And some people sometimes ask me, why do you guys baptize babies? And they say that, you know, a baby can't decide whether they want to get saved or not, so why are we baptizing little babies? But one of the things that we learn in the Methodist Church, one of the things that we believe in our church is that when we come forward for baptism and communion, that we're not the ones doing all the work. Did you know that? Yeah. Who's, who do you think is doing the most work when we come forward for those things? God. Yeah, buddy. God. God's the one that's doing the work. When we come forward and take communion... We might be the ones walking to the front and kneeling, but God is the one who's giving us grace. And when we baptize, when we put the water on little babies, the babies aren't the one doing the work. God is the one that's doing all the work. God is the one that's saying, I accept this little baby to be a part of my family. And God's acceptance for her and for everybody happens no matter what. God accepts us no matter what. Now, we get to have a choice later on whether we want to accept God or not. And that's when we get saved. It's when we accept God as our Savior. But no matter what, God invites everybody and accepts everybody into his family. And that's what we're saying when we come to baptism, that we believe that God accepts baby Bristol to be in his family as a part of the faith. And that no matter what, God's acceptance of her is never going to go away. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, Grant. Think on it and I'll get back to you. So when we come to communion, what we're saying is that God is going to give us grace no matter what we do. And when we're baptized, it means that God accepts us no matter what we do. And we have a choice to accept him back. Isn't that wonderful that God is doing all the heavy lifting and that all we have to do is respond? So let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for these kids. I thank you that to a person you have created them the way you want them to be and that you've accepted them into your family as the family of God. And God, I pray that you will help them and help us, the grown-ups, to help them to make good decisions, to follow up on that acceptance by, by responding in faith and being Christians. God, I pray that you will help us to lead them to the salvation that you have already offered to them. And I thank you for that understanding that off, that offer is never going away. God, bless us, bless these kids, and show them who you are today. In your name I pray, amen. All right, take off, y'all, time for Children's Church. Oh, wait, I'm, yeah, I'm sleeping on the, on the job. Here's your candy. Do you have an offering? I forgot to take up the offering. I'm no Miss Vicky. Ruth.
Knock it off. Okay, go. She's my daughter. I can tell her to knock it off. Okay. <laughs> she can't. Okay. Oh. All right. At this time, I want to invite our uh, ushers to come forward as we take up our offering. Jesus, as we have talked about the grace that you've poured out on each of us, the acceptance and the love that you have for each of your children, God, I pray that you will inspire us to respond in faith. Faith in our hearts, but also faith in our giving. God, give us grateful hearts to respond to your revelation today. In your name I pray. Amen.
All right. We're back in our exile series, talking about folks living during the Babylonian exile, primarily in the book of Daniel. We're going to keep on in the book of Daniel today. But I want to tell you about this mug I got. See, I've been reading um, Edgar Allan Poe books this week, or short stories, really. I got one book of Edgar Allan Poe short stories and poems. And the reason that I've been reading Edgar Allan Poe this week, besides it being October and like spooky season, is that I got this mug. It's a one, I don't know, you probably can't see it, but it has Edgar Allan Poe on it and a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe quotes. We were on vacation a long time ago, and I saw this mug at one of the tourist shops, and I got it because I share a birthday with Edgar Allan Poe. It's me, Edgar Allan Poe, Janis Joplin, and Dolly Parton. So that's kind of a, a rogues gallery of birthday shares. And so, but I thought it was a cool mug, and so I got it, and then I broke it. And then I saw it on Amazon the, uh, last week, and I said, I want that mug back. And so I got a second, this is my second version of this mug. But I tell you about this mug because I was sipping my coffee this week out of this mug, and I realized I haven't read an Edgar Allan Poe story since, like, middle school or high school. We read The Telltale Heart and The Raven and maybe, like, one more. And I felt like a huge faker, a poser. I'm sitting here drinking out of this Edgar Allan Poe mug, and I can't tell you where half of these quotes came from. And I don't really ever read Edgar Allan Poe, so I said, I'm going to need to fix this. So I got this Greatest Works of Edgar Allan Poe book, and I started reading it this week. And I've been really enjoying it, although i got to tell you, half the time I have to Google the story after I'm done to say, what the heck did I just read? But I've been enjoying Edgar Allan Poe. And I tell you this because sometimes I also get this feeling about my prayer life. Sometimes I think, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian Methodist pastor. Maybe I ought to start praying. People expect me to be praying, and I have all these, you know, I'm a, like a professional Christian. And yet, if I'm honest about it, boy, my prayer life can just be anemic sometimes. Oh, I don't know about you. But sometimes I have to remind myself, oh, my, I'm a Christian. I need to be in prayer. I need to step up my prayer life. Because I can't just walk around with a United Methodist mug. i got a few of those in my cupboard too. And a t-shirt and a tie and a pulpit on Sunday. But not be a person of prayer. That's actually far worse than having an Edgar Allan Poe mug and never reading Edgar Allan Poe. So we're going to talk about Daniel. Daniel did not have this problem. In fact, Daniel was in exile for his whole life. He got taken to Babylon as a young man when they were scattered all across the known world. And he got placed in Babylon, but he was smart enough that the king picked him up. Nebuchadnezzar picked him up and made him one of his court. And at this point in the story, he's like 70 years old and he served under three different pagan kings. 
And every time the pagan king gets a big head and decides that he wants to be worshipped, and every time God does something amazing, and every time the king ends up uh, worshipping the one true God instead. And we're on another cycle of that. And so we're in Daniel chapter 6. And this is a famous story. You probably know this story. It's, it's Daniel in the lion's den. But we're going to focus a lot less on the lions and a lot more on Daniel. So we're starting in verse 6 and going through verse 13. And so, oh, just to set it up a little more, you know, the, the, the king is Darius, and he's got all of these other advisors who are super jealous of Daniel. Okay, And so they decide they want to take Daniel down a peg. And they know that the way to do that is to get the king to set up this law that's going to entrap Daniel. Okay, here we go. So the presidents and the satraps conspired and came to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the interdict. And although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which has windows in its upper room toward Jerusalem, to get down on his knees three times a day and to pray to his God and praise him just as he'd done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? And the king answered, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which can't be revoked. And then they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict you have signed. But he's saying his prayers three times a day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think it says something about Daniel. That these folks knew that the way to trap him was to do it in his prayer life. If someone had to trap you doing something, would they pick prayer? Probably not me. I think it's crazy that the scripture says Daniel knew the document had been signed. He knew that it was illegal for him to pray, and he went up to his house to pray anyway. Did not care. Daniel would have rather died than stop praying to his God. Isn't that crazy? When I look at the sorry state of my prayer life most days, I don't think I would have been able to say that. I mean, Daniel had a ton of reasons not to pray. Right? The most obvious one is that it was illegal to do so. And he knew it was illegal to do so. And it's wild to me that all he had to do was hold out for 30 days. 
all he had to do was not pray for 30 days. They weren't saying he couldn't pray forever. Just a month. No, I don't know about you. But sometimes I think I could go for a month without praying standing on my head. I think I've accidentally not prayed for a month without even trying. It's probably, and if I'm being honest, it's probably harder for me to go without my cell phone for 30 days than it would be to go without prayer for 30 days. And, and you know what? He could have prayed more privately. You know, he could have gone to the lower floor where there weren't windows. He could have gone uh, anywhere else, but he did it anyway. He prayed anyway, despite the fact that it was illegal. If prayer was made illegal tomorrow for 30 days here, would you get caught praying? I probably wouldn't. I mean, I might still pray. That would probably inspire me to pray. But you know, I'd probably have enough self-preservation to just make it a quiet little quick one in my mind. I don't know that I would get caught praying if it was illegal tomorrow. Yet Daniel went and he did it anyway. Amazing. Why was prayer so important to Daniel that he would rather die than stop praying for 30 days? It was illegal for Daniel to pray. That's a pretty compelling reason not to pray. But he had other reasons too. He was a busy man. We might think he was too busy not to pray. He's basically the chief of staff for the king of a huge empire. He managed a lot of people, and he had a lot of responsibility. A lot of people reported to him. A lot of people, he had problems to solve. He had to get up every day and go and do the work of this country, and they did not care whether he got his quiet time in or not. In fact, they would really prefer if he didn't pray to the Hebrew God. They probably thought, man, it's been 70 years that you've lived here. Why can't you start praying to our gods? Why can't you just fit in? It could have been so easy for Daniel to just go about his day managing the people he had to manage, solving the problems that he had to solve, serving the people that he had to serve without stopping to pray three times a day. Can't you just imagine someone who had an appointment with Daniel? Some important muckety-muck in the Persian Empire saying, oh, I've got to wait till he's done praying for a second time today to this God that lives way far away. Can't you imagine he probably got some HR problems because of that? He got reported for a few times because he made some folks wait. He's too busy. How often do I use my busy schedule as an excuse not to pray? How often do I say, oh God, I get to the end of the day and I didn't pray today, but I'm just so busy. So busy. Daniel was busy too. He had a lot of responsibility. The third reason Daniel had not to pray is that it probably seemed pretty hopeless sometimes. He faced Jerusalem when he prayed. He remembered the place where he was taken from. He was facing a Jerusalem 
that had been seized and ransacked. He was facing a temple that had been destroyed. And he was praying to a God who left him in exile for 70 years and had not returned him home yet. Why did he keep it up? At some point in those decades, I might have said, well, I've been facing Jerusalem and praying every day, and God hadn't done a thing yet. Why do I keep doing it? Have you ever had a time when it felt like your prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling and not even making it to God? Because if anybody had a right to feel that way, it was probably Daniel. He might have felt, what's the point of praying if your prayers are never going to be answered the way you want them to be answered? What's the point of going up to my house three times a day when it's illegal, when I'm busy, when God isn't doing the thing that I've been praying for decades for him to do? My gosh, he had a lot of reasons not to pray. He had a lot of reasons to just stick it out for 30 days. And then maybe get out of the habit altogether. So with all of the reasons that Daniel had not to pray, why did he do it? Why did he risk his life to pray three times to a God who hadn't returned him from exile yet? And I think the reason he did it is because exiles can't afford not to pray. Because they know more than anybody how much they need God. He didn't have a service to go to. He didn't have a community of believers to fellowship with and to lift him up. He didn't have a Bible study to get to. All he had was God. We can have a tendency to forget our need for God. We're surrounded with so much Christianese, so much so much Christian stuff that we can have a tendency to forget our need for God himself. Like, like we can get by on our own. Like we can survive by ourselves. But it's just not true. We need God today just as much as Daniel did. We need to have a connection with a living God that can only come through prayer. And anything that, that we experience that tells us different is a lie. We need to reconnect, like Daniel did, with our desperate need for God. What a trooper. She did so great. I mean, I'm just so impressed by her. Praise God for babies. There's a great quote that comes in Richard Foster's The Celebration of Discipline. And it's like, every time I read this quote, I get convicted. And I read it a lot because that's one of my favorite books. This quote just keeps coming up. Every time I preach about prayer, I think about it. And you'd think that knowing this quote would help me to be a better prayer, but I just forget it every time too. But here's what he says. All who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. For those explorers and the frontiers of faith, prayer was no little habit tacked onto the periphery of their lives. It was their lives. It was the most serious work of their most productive years. And if we want to be the pioneers of grace, if we want to be effective for God where we are, we simply cannot do it without prayer. 
without serious prayer, without devoting ourselves to prayer. It cannot be some little habit tacked onto the periphery of our lives. It has to be central to who we are. We have to be the kind of people that if prayer was illegal tomorrow, we would get caught, convicted, and sentenced because there's no doubt that we are a praying people. Daniel wasn't too busy to pray. He was too busy not to pray. For Daniel, prayer was the work. How can we say that about ourselves? When I was in college, my best friend Daniel and I, uh, we didn't get a lot of girls. We didn't get a lot of dates. We got turned down a lot. But what we did get good at was theorizing why we got turned down a lot. And so we had this thing called the bad pit rule. Daniel thought of this bad pit rule, but I, man, I believed it. And I still believe it. And the, the Brad Pitt rule says, when you ask a girl out on a date and she gives you a reason why she can't go, you got to ask yourself, would she give that same reason to Brad Pitt if he asked her out? And it helps you clarify, like, does she really feel this way about you? So if you ask a girl out on a date and she says, oh, no, my roommate's brother's girlfriend's birthday party is that day, so I can't go. Well, if Brad Pitt asked her out on a date, would she still go to that birthday party? Or would she say, sorry, guys, I can't go. I'm on a date with Brad Pitt. Because if a girl likes you enough, you will be as Brad Pitt to her or close. Now, if she says, oh, I have to go to my grandma's funeral, she'd probably say that same thing to Brad Pitt. But you know what she might say to Brad Pitt? Call me next week. I'll set up a time after the funeral to go out with you. It's a really helpful way of determining, am I just being blown off or is there a legitimate thing to do? It's the Brad Pitt rule. It's great. It's our best shaking. <laughs> but I think there's a Brad Pitt rule for prayer too, right? It helps us understand. We, we have to ask ourselves. When I get up in the morning and I... No, I should go to my quiet time of prayer, but I just roll over. Would I have done that if the Braves were playing in the World Series at 6 o'clock a.m.? Probably would wake up to watch that. Probably wouldn't sleep in my alarm. If George Lucas agreed to have a Zoom call with me every morning at 6 a.m., would I leave George Lucas? I, I love Star Wars, by the way. I, I the answer is no, I would not leave George Lucas waiting. I'd wake up every day at 6 a.m. and Zoom with George Lucas. Without excuse. I can't leave George Lucas waiting. He's, he woke up and he's waiting for me. So why is George Lucas better to me than God? The creator of the universe has an appointment with me this morning to, to meet with me. His attention is on me. His love is with me. Why can't I get myself out of bed to do it? Would I be too busy? Got to ask ourselves, what are, what are our priorities? When we make excuses for God, oh, I'm too busy, oh, it's not convenient, oh, I'm too tired, oh, I'm whatever. 
Am I giving an excuse to the God of universe that I wouldn't give to whatever else I prioritize? Because Daniel didn't do it. Daniel's appointment with the God of the universe in prayer was important enough to him that he would sacrifice his life to do it. And yet, I make excuses. So the good news is, prayer is worth it, y'all. Daniel thought prayer was worth it. Daniel didn't just pray every day because he wanted to prove something. He didn't just pray every day because he wanted to show off how spiritual he was. He prayed every day because the, the time with God was worth it to him. He got something out of that prayer that was worth his own life. The connection he made with God was worth all of it. And that proved itself in the lion's den, didn't it? If you remember that story from Sunday school, he got thrown in the lion's den. And in the midst of hungry lions, the angel shut the lion's mouth and he didn't get eaten. There was not a scratch on him. God proved that the time that he spent with God, the connection that he made with God, the way he forged a relationship with God through prayer was worth the risk, was worth the inconvenience, it was worth it all. We don't just pray because we want to be holier than thou or spiritual. We don't just pray to, to prove a point to somebody. We pray because God is worth it. Because his word is worth it. Because his fellowship is sweet. Because when we hear a word from the Lord in prayer, it makes our whole day better. Even when God challenges us in prayer, it makes our day better. So my question for you today is, how vital is your prayer life to you? Do you find yourself committing to God, to experiencing him through prayer, or do you find yourself making excuses throughout the day? Because I don't know about you, but I make way too many excuses that I need to be making. So today I want to encourage you. Let's make a commitment to God. Let's make a commitment to getting serious about prayer. Because if God is going to do anything at Garden City United Methodist Church, if God is going to make this a vital congregation for our community, it's not going to happen unless we start praying now. Unless we get serious about it. Exiles know. They know that they cannot get by without praying because they need God too much. Let's reconnect with our need for God and recommit ourselves to a life of prayer today. If you want to come forward during our last song, we're going to sing, I need thee every hour. If you want to come forward to the altar and recommit to a life of prayer, I want to invite you to do it. I'll be down there. So I want to invite you to stand for our last song after we pray. Let's pray first. Talk about prayer, we're not praying. Jesus, Oh, Jesus, I confess to you today that my prayer life has been far too anemic. I make so many excuses. 
Jesus, I want to commit to changing that today. God, I pray that you will reconnect us to our need for you. Reinvigorate our prayer lives. Show us that you want us to be with you in prayer, no matter what the cost. Thank you for this example of Daniel, this example of this exile who for years, for decades, faced a land that he would never go back to and prayed to a God that seemed so far away. And yet, was close by when he needed you. Draw near to us, God, when we need you. And invigorate our prayer today. In your name I pray, amen. I want you to invite you to stand and sing with me. I need thee every hour. Hymn 397.
in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, devoted to prayer that's worth it. Amen. Thank you.